Echoplex Media streams seven days a week on twitch.tv slash Echoplex Media. With a variety of hosts and topics, there's bound to be something you'll like or hate so much you can't stop watching it. All times are Pacific. Check out our full schedule at echoplexmedia.com. The liberals, not the conservatives, are the one who pound, pound, pound.
everybody. Welcome to Down Ballot. We do the show live every Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Pacific right here on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash Echoplex Media. Support this project uh, many ways. Just go to ecoplexmedia.com slash support. Swag shop's the best way, but we don't mind if you support in other ways. Anyway, I'm producer Dave. You can find me on Grinder. And what's up? This is the councilman. You can find me on Twitter if it's still there at T-H-E underscore councilman. And I just took some emergency because I'm all stuffed up. So I might be flying high during this show on vitamin C and good stuff. Also alcohol and, you know, uh, more controlled substances. Very cool. Very cool. Hope you're not, I uh, hope you're not too sick, but, uh, you have a baby. So that baby's going to like, just, it's just going to be a germ factor. It's going to get even worse too. As the baby starts preschool, kindergarten, all that stuff. Oh my God. Oh yeah. I woke up today. Like we both woke up like, <laughs> you know, but, uh, with her, it's, it's a little funnier sounding right with me. It's kind of disgusting. So I'm going <laughs> to avoid doing, I'm going to avoid doing that, but it's good to see you as always big gay producer, Dave. Um, really happy to be here. Um, excited about the docket tonight. we got a lot to cover. Um, and it, it, it's, it's pretty exciting. It runs the gamut. Yeah. Should be should be a real one. Speaking of the docket, we should probably just get right to it here. Uh, what do we have for leading off this evening? Ed two hundred nine is back. <laughs> Ed two hundred nine, <laughs> and it's not even coming out of fucking evil Beto in San Jose. No, this is San Francisco. The police are uh, really adamant about needing killer robots. So uh, we'll we'll see if they're they're going to resubmit. It looks like. San Francisco's killer robot debate is back. After being rejected just months ago, the idea was brought up again during last night's police commission meeting. ABC 7 News reporter Gloria Rodriguez is in the newsroom with more on that. Good morning, Reggie. There was an uproar over the idea just a few months ago that got national attention. Well, it appears this isn't the end of the discussion. Killer robots were mentioned during last night's police commission meeting. You may remember that SFPD drafted a policy to allow for the lethally armed robots. The department claimed they would only be used in extreme situations for violent suspects that pose immediate risks to life. Initially, the robots were approved, but the Board of Supervisors ended up blocking the policy. Here's what was said last night. When you're looking at these remotely uh, piloted vehicles, they're actually probably more precise than any of our other force options in that we won't accidentally get a bystander. We might not hit another vehicle. This will go directly to whoever the gunman is in this prolonged attack. So I think we are still interested in resubmitting our proposal. This is too soon. It's triggering. It's painful that you're discussing which ways to kill us, how maybe an officer could be protected by having the robot kill us instead of the officer, bringing in military equipment. Come on now, have some sensitivity to people. And you just heard right there some speaking out against the killer robots in public comment. That woman alluding to the recent Tyree Nichols case. And there was no timeline given for when the proposal might be revisited. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's like that. Actually, the person who was uh, via remote for the, the uh, San Francisco soups had a pretty, pretty good point. She's like, be, be a little more sensitive to people like. Why are you like openly discussing how you're going to take somebody out here? Yeah, it's um, kind of gross, really. Um, and she's got a good point. It's like, this is going to be used, I mean, to, to kill, you know, brown and black people pretty much. Yeah. I, <clears throat> I, I mean, I don't know. I, I suppose like if they, if they get this thing, they're going to be fairly hesitant to use it. I would hope, or I don't know. Maybe they, they would, won't. One, 
one would think. I mean, they, but they seem pretty like that uh, spokesperson from the police sounded pretty cocksure um, about it. You know, this this is the safest force option we have. So basically, if there's ever any question of officer safety, right, or um, concern about officer decision-making ability, right, or cowboy attitude, cowgirl attitude, um, they'll send in the robot. But who's man, who's who's staffing the robot, right? Who's who's controlling the robot? It's just another human, another cop with the same tendencies and the same attitudes. Um, so it's more precise. Like I can aim better. Is that what they're saying? Yeah, they're saying <laughs> that like aim. they're saying that like the robot will show up, look around, and figure out exactly where to explode. I suppose. Right. I mean, I don't understand how a really well trained cop couldn't do the same. Um, and and it's going to still going to have to be uh you know manipulating the robot this robot is not like self you know it's not ai right it's it's not it's not self-propelling it's not self um you know sentient right it, it's not going to make decisions like that so it's pretty much just like an avatar for the cop themselves i'm imagining i'm imagining an actual like ai robot going assessing a threat to the community and then just turning right back around and going back <laughs> where it came from and blowing right. that shit up Right, like uh, they send it into like a, a, a sort of um, protest, right, or, or demonstration, right, situation. And it's like, hmm, protesters not doing anything, chanting, clapping. I am ne- I'm leaving. I'm leaving now. I will go bust someone for speeding. Now the robot like joins the protest. Yeah, right. Fight the power. Fight the power. Number five alive. Beep, so, um, ooh, that's yeah. a problematic fucking movie. <laughs> It's such a problematic movie. That dude in Indian space, my God. Well, and not just because of, yeah, exactly. Uh, and then Ali Sheedy, um, just Ali Sheedy, pretty much. Anyway, that's my whole argument. Um, so we'll see what happens. It doesn't sound as though the robots are going to go anywhere in San Francisco, but with Mayor Beto, you know, who we'll hear from later, um, he wants to hire more cops. So maybe the easiest way to hire more cops is to hire more RoboCops. Yeah, maybe. Well, I'm not. I'm just not sure, like, what we're... I don't know, like, where is everything headed? Why, like, what happens if this, like, I don't know, like, what happens if somebody hacks the robot? You know what I'm saying? Like, these are, it's going to be yeah. like, ju- like, how are they going to communicate? Like, I just have so many questions. There's, Open especially, in the, especially in the Bay Area, there's a lot of, Elon Musk, like, let's just say Elon Musk fired a lot of people with tech skills recently, <laughs> who might be the kinds of people who could take control of such a robot, right? Well, yeah, well, I mean... You know, make it open source then. <laughs> oh shit! Well, I mean, it probably um, used it probably whatever it's doing. It's probably sitting on top of a bunch of open source technology that's going to be harder to hack. Yeah. But like, it, yeah. it eventually, it's going to be like a wireless technology, and you know, we know that wireless technology is pretty easy to break into. Like, if if somebody, yeah. the reason nobody hacks into your Wi-Fi router and intercepts your web traffic is nobody gives a fuck what you're doing. This is the thing I try, I try to explain to folks who think that they're being watched, right? Like they, on all the folks you cover on the Sunday show, right? It's like, really? There's someone who's that fucking bored who needs to be watching what you're checking out on the internet, on YouTube, right? Or on the internet. Give me a break. Um, right. But, yeah, but, uh, but something like this, <clears throat> something like this. And I, exactly. understand, I understand the military has like secure communication. We've never had one of our drones hacked, at least to my knowledge. And, but I don't know. Like our balloons. Oh man, we tried not to talk about that on Sunday. Did our best. So let's move on down to Santa Clara County. And um, <laughs> apparently there's going to be a, they're going to expand 
a gun violence strike team here in Santa Clara County. Let's see how Fox 2 covers this. Santa Clara County is expanding a task force that targets people who are illegally in possession of firearms. Now, the county calls it a gun violence strike team, and the expansion comes after the recent mass shooting in Half Moon Bay. KTVU's Mark Serre live tonight there in San Jose with a closer look at how this unit operates. Mark. Well, my county leaders concede that there's no way they can know if the work of this strike team could actually prevent any kind of mass casualty event. But they do say if they can get guns out of the hands of people that already have existing court orders or possibly are making threats, it could make a difference. The 66-year-old gunman who went on a shooting spree in Half Moon Bay had legally purchased his firearm and had no prior contact with law enforcement. The shooter at the Gilroy Garlic Festival had legally purchased his gun in Nevada. In both of these cases and others, there was nothing to trigger any law enforcement action in advance. We all know in our community too well the negative impacts of gun violence. Now, Santa Clara County is vastly expanding what it calls its gun violence strike team, which can quickly react to any potential threats if and when they are reported. The team will also follow up to make sure guns which are already subject to court orders, such as in domestic violence cases, are removed. The sole purpose of this team is to get guns off the street and people who have restraining orders to take guns from people really frankly who shouldn't have them. The program is run by the Santa Clara County District Attorney's Office and currently has five people. On Tuesday, the Board of Supervisors is set to approve nearly a million dollars for several new positions and cooperative agreements are now in place with local and federal partners to bring the total unit size to 23. Other jurisdictions um, are doing way more gun violence restraining orders than we are and we need to up our capacity so that every time someone makes a threat and has a gun that we have the resources to get that court order and to remove the guns from that person. County leaders also hope that by keeping the dialogue open on the issue of reporting potential threats it could prompt more people to step forward and possibly prevent a future tragedy. What we want to make sure of is that if people see red flags that they are reporting, that, that is the only way for us to know that somebody is a danger is for somebody to report. Now, prosecutors are clear they can't do any of this work without an order from a judge, but they also say they can get those orders fairly quickly from a judge, especially in the case of a documented threat, say, of potential mass violence. The county board of supervisors is set to vote on this tomorrow morning at the regular meeting at 9.30 a.m. Reporting live from downtown San Jose, I'm Mark Sayer, KTVU, Fox 2 News. All right, Mark, thank you. So, if I'm not mistaken, this is designed to... Um, like respond to or preempt preempt um, like I guess mass casualty events is that is that was that what's going on here councilman <clears throat> yeah I mean it's it's basically prioritizing uh, crimes that are crimes right like it, uh, there are any all myriad of crimes right and police only have so much time, law enforcement, sheriff's office only have so much time on their hands and so many officers um, and so many deputies um, because of constraints, budgetary constraints and other constraints. So they have to, unfortunately, triage crimes. Um, so obviously the murders, the death kills, the the physical crimes, right, are obviously prioritized, um, the harm crimes, um, and especially crimes that are happening like right now, right? Like if you call 911, you're like, my house got broken into and some shit got stolen. Are they still there? No, no, this was like hours ago. Oh, please call 311. 
you know, or, or a, an officer will be out in two weeks to take a report from you. Um, uh, they prioritize crimes that are happening and prioritize violent crimes. Um, and in this case, they are going to start prioritizing gun crimes because that, you know, curtails violent crimes. Um, so there's stuff that's already on the books, laws that are already in the books that prevent people from having certain guns, certain people from having certain guns. They're just going to start like saying, hey, we're actually going to, you know, bust people for, <laughs> we're actually going to be on the lookout for people. We're actually going to proactively do our jobs. But aren't these so the that, same people that say they're having like a difficult time hiring new officers? 100, 100, yes. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Like, I don't know about the sheriff's office, but in San Jose, there's a lot of very legit reasons why they, you know, and it's their, it's city leadership's fault, um, but they're not wrong. Like, it's, it's really, really difficult to bring on new people for a variety of reasons. Um, some of it's compensation, some of it's, um, you know, the, the vitriol over pension battles and things like that, right, and political disputes and just it being a really hostile work environment. But when it comes down to it, it's just, there's, we're just not competitive in terms of creating a, a you know, a, a place that people, that recruits want to be, right? They'd rather go, why, why would you go to San Jose to be a cop? Why wouldn't you go to like San Bruno or, you know, Montessorino, right? Like get paid just as much, get just as good of a pension and don't have to deal with all the bullshit and the big city bullshit either um, or the political bullshit. So and it's I mean, tough, but so they're, they're not wrong, but it's, it is their fault. Like city councils, mayors, it's their fault that, um, that there is this kind of, uh, this difficulty. And I mean, not for nothing, San Jose is like one of the safest big cities in the country too. So it's pretty, pretty, pretty odd. True. True. Well, I think we're four. We slipped to fourth all the way to fourth, but it's every, no matter what, ever since we slipped away from, I think there was just one year, frankly, we were named safest big city in the country because of some FBI metric of some sort, right? That combined, that thinks of all crimes, thinks of crimes in that way or crime. Um, in different ways and spits it out and says, you're the safest big city. Um, I think it was only one year, but ever since then, every campaign, every election, it's been a centralized issue. You know, I wanna, I'm going to make San Jose the safest big city in America again. It's like, we're fourth. <laughs> we're fourth. We're the 10th biggest city and we're fourth. Safe biggest city, safest big city. I, th I think we're doing well. We're punching above our weight because we are, I think, a, a very tight-knit community when it comes down to it, right? It's still a small town kind of attitude. Like, I know people everywhere in the city, right? Everyone, you can go out on any given night and bump into tons of people, you know, um, mutual friends, things like that, right? So it's still a very suburban community. Um, that's why it's safe, right? We're not Houston. We're not Chicago. We're not New York. We're barely a city. We're just a we're giant suburb. A trying very hard. We're trying very hard to have buildings taller than 23 stories. Right. So up next, maybe, maybe tied to the fact that it's, uh, fairly safe here is that the San Jose and not just San Jose, the Bay area is fairly affluent and um, mm -hmm. that seems nice, but it actually isn't nice. And uh, once again, high cost of housing is the largest concern for Bay area residents. In tonight's making it in the Bay more than crime, more than homelessness. It's about housing. A new study found that the high price of housing remains the biggest concern here in the Bay Area. And while, of course, that doesn't really come as a surprise, it is triggering old questions about how we got here and, more importantly, how do we fix it? Here's NBC Bay Area's Scott Budman. 
Yeah, it says something about the Bay Area housing market that we can simultaneously have the biggest price drop in the country and still have the price of housing be our number one concern. Giovanni Giannata thinks about high-priced housing a lot. Being a 32-year-old male living out here in Bay Area, it's hard with a single income. He says he loves living in the Bay Area, but... I don't know if I foresee myself actually purchasing a home anytime soon just because of the, the cost and the median prices that just keep going up. So it's very difficult, and you know, sometimes you think about moving out of the area. In fact, the Public Policy Institute of California says 80% of Bay Area residents call housing affordability a major concern. That's more than any other single issue. From rent to mortgage, everything here is expensive. So how do we fix it? Well, experts say there have been efforts to build more housing, but never enough. The way we got here is by just Indeed. allowing the housing industry, uh, the real estate industry, to run wild without any Sandy uh, coming to you from his closet. Any uh, adequate uh, government funding, and even when government does get involved, the Policy Institute says residents often get in the way. A lot of times, people in that area adopt kind of the the NIMBY mindset. If I'm sure you're familiar of that with that acronym of "not in my backyard," and people just don't want it near them, but they'll you know still say say it's needed, but not where I live. The result a decline in population, a rise in homelessness, and an issue that continues to dominate the headlines. Scott Budman, NBC, Bay Area News. Yeah, I mean, I think the main problem is that we have, when the housing gets built, it's always, like, luxury housing, right? Like, We've talked mm. about this before. We just need housing projects. Like that's what we need. We need government housing projects. There's no, there's no yes. other fix, and people are terrified of that shit. Yes. Um. Right now, we do our very best, and we hit our goals for quote unquote market rate housing. You know what market rate housing is? Market housing you and I can't afford. Um. But you know maybe tech bro mayors can afford. Um. But that's what we build primarily. We don't meet our goals and we have not met our goals for affordable housing for many, many years. And there's no teeth behind those goals. There's no sort of like, you know, incentive to meet those goals. The state's not going to relinqu you know, relinquish funding um, because we don't meet our goals. No one meets their fucking affordable housing goals. That's the problem, right? Um, it's not just San Jose. It's not just Santa Clara County. Um, we just don't meet our goals for creating that housing and it perpetuates year over year and it builds up year over year and the backlog of all of this builds up year over year to the point that, you know, we're in a housing crisis because we've just never met those goals. We've always had those um, aspirations and it's not as though government entities and you know leaders don't know, didn't see this 20 years ago as an issue, right? As, even during the first tech boom, right? all these jobs, all this money, where are these people going to live, right? Where are the, the people that serve these industries going to live? Um, are they going to be able to live here? Um, they could have been thinking about this 20, 30 years ago. They were thinking about it, but they weren't doing anything about it. And it's only now that we're like, have this sense of urgency, like, oh, we need to do something now. We need to do something now. We need to tear up our plans that we've crafted for the development of our city and really invest in doing this thing and it's like well fuck you should have done that 20 years ago you should have done that when you were crafting the plan that the blueprint for the city the general plan like put housing first instead we have a general plan in san jose that puts jobs first that puts commercial lands first that puts industrial lands first and not housing right and they've had to spend the last 10 years that that plan's been in place backtracking and pulling back and trying to figure out you know how can we 
um, amend it so that we can put housing first because they realized they should have done that to begin with. Um, so it, it, it's unfortunate, but we've put ourselves in this, in this position and now we're behind and, you know, um, like you said, the solution is government investment, but the problem is it could have been invested a long time ago when it was cheaper. Now it's like, you know, they, they have money, but it's not enough to get land. It's not enough to build the units. Um, so unless you want to like just throw a bunch of, uh, uh, shipping containers out at the fairgrounds, like Matt Mahan apparently wants to do, um, that's easy and cheap and quick. Um, and it's out of people's way maybe, but it's not going to help anything. Well, I mean, it's not like it's going to get cheaper. You know, <clears throat> I would imagine that 15 years ago or whatever, when people were having this discussion, they were probably saying the same thing about it, that it's too expensive mm -hmm. for the for the city or the county or whatever to do it. Well, sure. The, the, you know, the same, same reason for it, I guess, rings true today, but then the, the fucking reason to do it now is the same reason as before, because it, it, yeah. it seems like we're on a trajectory where it's not going to get less expensive. Yeah, no, it's true. Um, and it never does. Nothing ever does over time, especially construction and um, labor costs and building costs. It's always going to get more expensive over time. That's why developers complain about the time it takes to get permits, to get, you know, to get entitled, as they say, for their projects. Because time is money, right? Every day that they wait, it's more expensive to build, no matter what the economy looks like. And especially right now when labor is so tight, there's just not enough you know, people, none of bodies out there to do the work, so it costs a lot of money to build. So, yeah, it's it's tough for everyone. Yeah, I guess so. <clears throat> I don't know. I think, um, like I said, every time new housing goes up, there's all this so new luxury condos going up, and it's like, well, yeah, oh yeah, that's almost the majority of what we're building, right? Is is really nice places for people who can afford really nice shit. And the rest of us are left out in the cold, right? And uh, eventually, there's not going to be people here to serve all these people, so they're going to have to fucking wash their own fucking cars. I mean, some people are, like, literally left out in the cold. Oh, 100%. Um, and some people apparently want to be left out in the cold, if you believe Mayor Beto. This is what he well, said, you yeah. Now we got a uh, bar spent hundreds of thousands of dollars, but apparently only helped one person with that hundreds of thousands of dollars. This is a, this is a, I don't know, the BART system at work, I suppose. And it was found that BART spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on a homeless outreach program that resulted in one confirmed homeless person getting its services. The inspector general's report examined BART's connection to a two-year, $350,000 program run by the Salvation Army. It paid for homeless outreach teams at San Francisco's two BART stations on Mission Street to help people with mental health and drug addiction problems. Well, they could only well, confirm they, they helped one person. But the, the thing is, like, that may be a little bit misleading because, like, how many people did they hire? You know? Truth. And, and really, they did. They helped one person. So they didn't help no persons. And that one person is probably pretty happy that they got help, right? Kind of depends what the help. Kind of depends what the help was, right? True. And depends on what that person does with that help and, and where they go from there. But who knows? Maybe that person touches another few people and another few people and... Sure enough, you've you've touched hundreds of people. Um, so, why the fuck is the transit agency like kind of left hand holding the bag to to help like people that are homeless? They're they're fucking. Well, I'm sure it was someone's good intention, someone at Bart's really well intentioned idea to 
you know, invest some money in outreach. To the, I mean, those, if you've been, I mean, you've, you've been to the mission and 16th and 24th street stations, right? Right. Like that, if you want to, if you ride the whole BART line, those are probably the two most just, um, you know, impacted, shall we say? I don't know what the, what the key word or the, 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 the trigger word is, but impacted stations, like just a lot of real need in those neighborhoods um, in and around there. So uh, it's, it's a good idea, I'd say. Um, but obviously, you know, poor execution and a lot of the time and, um, something actually I got from my sister-in-law who was recently appointed to a city council in a small city, uh, here in Santa Clara County. Um, she likes to point out that sometimes we have really good policies and really good ideas and we just don't do enough work of centering it and centering the policies around what people actually need and the people who we're trying to serve. Right. And, and, and reaching out to them in ways and means and um, uh, that, that they understand and will accept and appreciate. Um, so really uh, enlisting and lived experience in our policy making. I really appreciate that. So that maybe that was the fault here. Who knows? But it could have been just really poor outreach and really poor design of the program rather you know, you, than the intention. You would mentioned 16th and 24th Street in Mission, and those are actually two, the two stations I'm most likely to get off of BART at. Yeah, right. Watch out. Apparently, those a, lot are, of, a lot of mental health issues. Because those are um, like south of market. So Right. Well, and they have delicious you know, restaurants in, within walking distance of both of those stations. So please frequent the mission. Get out, get out there and you know, eat some food and talk to people and help folks out. You know, those, are the, help. those are the stations also walking distance, distance to the Castro if you're willing to, you know, walk a little bit. Dude, who's not willing to walk a little bit? Get exercise, you get fresh air for all the fog. You know, have a little cigarette. Okay, maybe not fresh air. Anyway, so, but what's the next on winners and losers? I feel like we have we have one more in winners and losers here, and it seems like it's probably a NIMBY issue. There's a battle over benches in the Bernal Heights neighborhood. Bernal Heights is kind of a, a you know a nice a swanky part of the city generally, and so I, I imagine that there are people who are upset that uh, folks who that they don't think should be using the benches are using the benches. But let's see what's really going on with this story from NBC Bay Area here. On Mirabel Avenue, it's easy to see neighbors are invested in their neighborhood. There are plants and oh benches. Some are stone. Others are like this one around a tree. All are popular with the locals. We built it three years ago. Gail Wilson says they repainted it before the rain and reinforced it. Wilson says the bench is used often. It has a lot of uses, you know, and it's not in the way. Wheelchairs can go by. Strollers can go by. But the bench recently received a notice of violation, meaning they need to remove it or get a minor increase permit. That permit runs about $1,400. With all the other problems we have in the city, they're, they're going to pick on Maribel because we have benches that's helping people. It's like, come on, you know, there's so many other issues. You know, the, the converters getting stolen out of the cars, the homeless stuff. I mean, come on. The sidewalks are extra wide, so there's these benches are not obstructing anything. And um, I just really feel that there's a big curve fluffle over nothing. We got a complaint customer service center. San Francisco Public Works says two notices were issued for benches on the block. We want to make sure of though is that there are rules around these benches so we want to make sure that it is ADA compliant. Can wheelchairs get through, pass through? Oh, on the stuff sidewalk? it Rachel. Will there be any hazards for anyone if they walk by, especially the visually impaired? <laughs> 
prepared. A public works oh, spokesperson God. says they're not allowed to waive permit fees, but the Board of Supervisors can. The spokesperson also says they're working with elected leaders to see how they can make this work. Supervisor Hillary Ronan's office issued a statement saying, in part, my office is working closely with DPW to come up with a plan to keep these benches where they are. We know they are beloved and an important community asset for neighbors and passers-by. For the city's part, they've extended the deadline, saying the neighborhood now has until April to sort things out. Christy Smith, NBC Bay Area News. This was not what I thought that story was going to be at all. Yeah, this took a turn that I was not expecting whatsoever. I'm really glad I didn't watch this in advance, too. I'm I'm really pissed off now. <laughs> like $1,400 permit? Jesus Christ, like, I am completely on board with that lady. What the fuck, you guys? Like, we just talked about just a few minutes ago, right? The triaging of crime. Like, seriously, you're going to prioritize this public works? And and that woman, like, invoking the the public works spokesperson, invoking the the sight impaired, right? The vision impaired. Like, blind people be like, fuck you, lady. You think I can't figure out there's a fucking bench in my way? <laughs> like, give me a break, man. Oh, Jesus, this is just like the ultimate of, uh, I almost want to put this under get your shit together. This is the ultimate in like over government overreach, right? Like people are actually doing something. They didn't make these benches so that you couldn't sleep on them too, right? You notice you, you could have, you could curl up on one of those things, right? There were no uh, impediments or barriers. So they're just doing a solid. And those concrete benches or the, the stone benches, they're kind of cool. You know, they look, they look, they look hip. It looks like a cool neighborhood. Yeah, it's just, like I said, it's just not what I thought. I thought that they were going to be mad that there were, some people were going to be mad because like right. uh, folks were sleeping on them. No, 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 no. This no. time, this time the city's like, see that beautiful bench that you uh, maintain and paint? You painted it before right. the rainy season to make sure that it didn't fall apart. And uh, you right, made right. sure that it was uh, sturdy and, um, and it barely goes out past the little metal thing that we have for the tree. Well, that's a big problem on this double wide sidewalk that you have in your neighborhood. The only place in San Francisco, by the way, where I've ever seen a sidewalk that's that wide. That was double wide, right? Yeah, for sure. That was seriously wide sidewalk. And like, I, I, well, I have to give it up to uh, crotchety old white lady um, who you would think is like, and they're getting in the way, these benches. I'm trying to walk. No, she's all for it. And she doesn't understand what the kerfluffle is. So if you had that in your bingo card, kerfluffle, mark it down. We had it on down ballot, kerfluffle. I'm, I'm so excited. And I just I just wonder, like, if somebody's, like, in a wheelchair or um, has, you know, issues with their sight, I'm not sure that walking down the sidewalk and, and like, you know, maybe if the, if the bench was more obtrusive or whatever, and like hitting your knee on the bench or whatever, are, is, are those people more concerned with that or with drivers when they go to cross the street? Like, what is the, what is the concern right. of somebody who has uh, sight impairments? I'm just right. A, a, a fucking random scooter could be laying in the middle of the, of the sidewalk and, and trip you right. up or it could fall it's out like of a, a tree as we've seen before. <laughs> right or it gets jumped into the lake um yeah no it's it's sort of like you know trip over um or get get run over by a car shame on driver right shame on you trip over a bench like shame on me honestly like i i should have seen that coming no pun intended well i mean somebody um, somebody who's uh has visual impairments might you know it might be a problem but i didn't see where it would be a problem there and honestly like if you've lived in the city for a while with visual impairments you're 
pretty good at navigating yep. the city if you're walking around you you yeah you've taken whatever steps are necessary to figure it out you know i'm fully sighted i couldn't imagine and you know it'd be one thing if there were like disability advocates groups or something out there kind of mentioning it but it just seems like right it just seems like some asshole at public works saw the bench and was like, Oh, is there a permit for that bench? And it's like, well, maybe you didn't see that bench and you could go about the rest of your, like if I, like if I see somebody shoplifting bread, no, I didn't. Maybe they could do the same yeah. thing with the bench. I didn't see no fucking bench, Rachel. Like might as well be Karen from public works. You're, you're exactly right. It's not like you, this is something where you'd think it was like either neighbors getting you know, pissed off because they're unsightly and they're, you know, people, homeless people are sleeping on them and we don't like that. No, no, they're all for, they're all for it. It's this, this, um, uh, you know, bureaucrat from public works. Who's like, you know, well, it's one inch over the line and we have perm, we have permits for this kind of thing and we need to be careful and people, you know, people could get hurt. Um, but like I yeah, like you said, if, if you're visually impaired, um, it's not as though it's some sort of moving target. It's not as though you don't walk around your neighborhood and know where these things are, right? Like it, it, it's you know, ah, uh, and they're being used as an excuse for for whatever reason. I don't and I don't understand what this is to fill a quota or some maybe one person complained. I could see maybe one person complained, and so Public Works is doing something about it to please that one person. Well, I'm, I'm gonna. But that's a, this is gonna turn me into a fucking libertarian. I'm a bench right. free or die. You know, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> let me bench. Um, anyway, give me bench or give me death. Uh, well, don't, anyway, don't uh, tread on my fucking bench. My God. So should we get our shit together at this point? Oh is, man. Is, you know, getting on in the evening. I mean, this is one, this is, this next story is going to be another one of those stories where people like, are in a city and then like are like well i what i really want is this for this to not be a city yeah i, we I deal really with that a lot in us uh, we deal with that a lot in san jose um it is yes <clears throat> it is surprising to see it in san francisco um i don't know exactly where cap street is but maybe they'll uh tell us in the news segment what district it is yeah this is people just mad that their city is a city uh news at uh 10 in this case because i can see the little <laughs> their little timer on the <laughs> on the video. Roll it. Ten starting this week, barriers are set there to go, go up on one San Francisco street to try to crack down on prostitution. This is happening mm. along Cap Street between 18th and 22nd Streets in the city's Mission District. Yep. KTVU's Alyssa Harrington is there and spoke with neighbors about the plan. Alyssa. Well, neighbors tell me once it gets dark, this street is no longer theirs. They say they witness all sorts of illegal activity and aren't sure the barriers address the root of the problem. The red light's going. There's a huge line of traffic. Neighbors along San Francisco's Cap Street shared pictures and videos of what they see out their windows on almost a nightly basis. What they believe are sex workers and their pimps, while a line full of Johns in their vehicles clogged the street. There's rampant prostitution on Cap Street. Residents we talked to did not want their faces on camera. They told us the situation has become dangerous. Violence of the pimps that they not only intimidate the women and men handle them aggressively, they also sometimes intimidate the neighbors. Noise it brings at night. I mean, I wake up multiple times a week at night. My kids have missed school. I've missed work. Um, it's And it's the Johns driving by in their car, racing back and forth, turning their music on. <coughs> sideshows with their cars 
The city announced it is taking <laughs> steps to curb this sort of activity. Starting this week, barriers will go up along Cap Street between 22nd and 18th Streets. They're about two feet tall. Uh, they're big orange uh, plastic um, barricades that you fill with water. Santiago Lerma, legislative aide to Supervisor Hillary Ronan, said they visited Cap Street on a Friday night to see the problem for themselves and realized urgent action needed to be taken. What you see is um, a large amount of traffic on Cap Street, um, bumper to bumper almost, um, John's oh, cruising up and down um, looking for sex poor guy. So what the uh, intent behind the uh, barricades is to uh, disrupt the, uh, the kind of cruising. We don't want to talk about people as disposable. We don't want to talk about people like their cockroaches that we're trying to exterminate from the neighborhood. Celestina Pearl is an outreach manager with St. James Infirmary, a community clinic that provides support for sex workers in the city. So I'm very concerned about um, the young women who work on this street who get so very little voice and so very little yeah. power and control over their own lives. And I know it's not a very popular opinion, especially in this neighborhood. Neighbors told us they do realize many of the workers are being trapped and are victims, but they want enforcement and accountability so they can simply walk outside their homes at night and raise their kids in a safe community. Most of us, if not all of us, don't really have a problem with the sex workers or even their business itself. It's really the fact that this is a residential neighborhood. District Attorney Brooke Jenkins sent me a statement saying the DA's office is working to address prostitution and human trafficking concerns. She said 14 Johns have received citations and the office is prepared to prosecute any pimps or human traffickers. Reporting live in San Francisco, I'm Alyssa Harrington, KTVU, Fox 2 News. So Alyssa, if they just block or put up barriers along Cap Street, do they worry? Are they concerned that the problem will just move over to other streets? That is a concern, but neighbors oh. say that they would prefer really? that. Uh, residents will be able to get through. All right. Alyssa Harrington reporting live for us tonight in San Francisco. Thank you. So I don't know, like what the, I don't know what the barricades are. Are, are the barricades just going to mean that like to get there, you have to turn left and then turn right and then turn left again? Something along those lines. It's it's either barricades or speed humps or something or along the, you know, something else. Um, don't you think that this might mean they would just use another street? You think? You th <laughs> Holy shit. There's so much laughable. This story went exactly the way that I thought the previous story was going to go. Right. Um, with just like neighbor, like two neighbors basically who don't want to show their faces, just their, their Doc Martens, you know, uh, complaining about kids missing school because of John's lined up on their streets. Like, seriously like your kids are that light sleepers <laughs> like and what are you doing looking you're, you're out there just looking out your window all night like you know don't you have a life is it really that loud i don't think so come on it's a city like you said you and, live and in a city you live in the mission you live in the mission district for fuck's sake yeah yeah that's uh what do you expect there's like dance clubs and shit there with like hella loud music and whatnot like fucking ike's is open late you know or the burrito shop you know like it's like you live in a city you live in the mission district what do you expect i i, I would move to the mission district for that right for that <laughs> that vibrance i would point out that to my kids like see that that's a sex worker she's just doing what she needs to do to survive it sucks that she has to do that but that's just what she's doing right don't disrespect her right that that is why i would move to a place like the mission not necessarily not to, something that would offend me 
happening in the mission if I moved there, right? Like I didn't think, I, I wouldn't expect that I moved to the sunset if I moved to the mission, right? And anyway, and, and not well, for nothing that, so not for nothing that neighborhood looked like it had been recently fairly gentrified. Did you see like the way the yeah. buildings looked? It looked like fucking yeah. like apartment complexes you'd see near Barton Fremont or something. Yeah, those little like three story, you know, condo plexes or whatever. Yeah, totally. It, it looked way gentrified. So I'm a little, that maybe that's why I haven't heard of Cap Street before. And that's probably, maybe that's why people are so uppity. And that's why Brooke Jenkins is trying to help because, you know, she wants to get reelected at some point. Yeah, the, I can see, oh I, can, I can hear the, uh, the, the property management or the uh, real estate agent going, well, you know, you get all of the uh, excitement and uh, culture of living in the mission in this little neighborhood here. But look at how mm -hmm. nice everything is. Exactly right. Oh, and and then then if I was a sex worker, I'd be like, let's go, uh, let's go do this in this neighborhood that looks nice. Maybe we'll be safer over here. I don't know. Right. I mean, well, that and that's that gets to a really good point. You know, we talk about say, you know, San Francisco itself has been exploring safe injection sites, safe usage sites, right? Safe um, housing sites, uh, homeless, um, you know, resource centers is there some way we can't have some sort of officially sanctioned red light district? I mean, doesn't Amsterdam have this going on, right? Like we can, we can do this. It's not that hard to figure this out. Prostitution well, does not have to be illegal, right? Well, like, I mean, you'd, you'd run up against any number of federal and state laws. I think that, it, you know what I mean? Like it, it's well, <clears throat> the, 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 done it before the, 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 the solution is unfortunately much larger. It's a big structural solution. Um, True. I mean, but, but, to be fair, San Francisco started marrying the gays and, you know, letting people smoke the pot before it was, you know, legal at higher levels. So, it, you know, sometimes it's, it takes the cities to, you know, and the, the, the smaller agencies and the smaller entities to spark the change, right? To be the, the guinea pig, the laboratory, whatever, for new policy. So who knows? I don't, but, I, but I feel like the other thing is if you just drop like a red light district in somebody's neighborhood, like, I don't mm -hmm. know, they... I, I could see okay. where maybe somebody would be upset by that. Well, you'd have to do extensive community outreach, producer Dave, obviously, you know, and really engage with folks around <laughs> and make sure that they really want it in their neighborhood, right? Um, or it'd have to be out of the way, right, in an industrial neighborhood of some sort. Um, um, they, well, but we or, can figure this out. Or you put it in, like, the really dense parts of South of Market where there's already just a lot of entertainment and hustle and bustle going on. Sure. Yeah. So, so because sort of this didn't... In. It's not like these people lived above 10, 15 Folsom or what, you know what I mean? Like where there's already yeah, yeah. so much noise and traffic. Yeah. It was like this little, uh, almost like cute gentrified enclave in the mission that, that, it, se that yeah. it seems to be. So you'd have to, you'd have to put it somewhere where there's already kind of a lot of hustle and bustle. But I, I could, I just can't imagine the fucking uproar from the NIMBYs if they, if San Francisco started issuing, maybe not permits, but um, uh, like we'll look the other way if you do the following. Right. And for stuff that's like, unlike home, generally homelessness, which is not illegal, by the way, um, being homeless. Um, yeah. If, if suddenly you actually have something that is illegal, right. And you're sanctioning it in a community, I'm, I'm guessing that the neighbors would not be so excited about it. Cause that's usually the number one thing that people cite is that they don't feel safe. You know, I don't, I, I, I we, we need to help the homeless, but I don't want it in my community because I don't feel safe or my kids miss school or you know are are not safe right because crimes because homeless people make crimes um so similar here although these people are actually are committing crimes like that's the whole point is that this is a crime still it's ridiculous but it's a crime um so maybe we need to get to decriminalizing 
prostitution in the first place and then figure out a way to help these folks and, and, and get get those Johns what they really need. Just a good hand job. All right, well, let's move on to down ballot watch here. We got elected officials uh, speaking out about threats of violence. In Oakland today, a power show of solidarity. Several prominent East Bay politicians are coming together to denounce what they say are violent threats against female political leaders. NBC Bay Area's Valina Jones shows us some of the threats and what's being done. The reality is, when we speak of the harm that is committed against us, you need to believe us. A call to action to support black leaders and denounce what several East Bay politicians say are escalating threats against black women in leadership. If we stay quiet about this type of abuse, the efforts to discredit the work of women of color leaders will persist. The plea for solidarity comes after constant calls like this one directed at Senator Aisha Wahab. What's up, you f I just your mother threatening rape and violence last month council member carol five says she received similar threats calling for her rape and murder do you need to be murdered awesome do you need to be carjacked or raped to get it through your thick skull what is wrong with you do you have security huh your comments have consequences and there are people intentionally stoking fear and anger and resentment throughout this city and so when you hear it and when you see it, you call it out. Fife says threats have always been an issue, but started getting worse in 2021. While she didn't speculate who might be behind the threats, she says she's exploring legal options and law enforcement is involved. The city is also working to increase security at City Hall before the building reopens next month. And the threats are not only targeting women elected to office. Activist Kat Brooks claims she's been harassed and threatened so badly she was forced to move. Because they don't like what I have to say, they think it is okay to threaten my life, to threaten my home, to threaten my child. Political leaders say they need the community to stand with them and say with one clear voice that these women of color will not back down and these threats won't be tolerated. We will not be silenced. We will continue to do the transformative work that it takes to change society. In Oakland, Valina Jones, NBC Bay Area News. So not for nothing, like when you see like violent rhetoric, like on the national level too, it's oftentimes targeted at uh, women legislatures, uh, legislatures, legislators of color in the House and the Senate mm -hmm. too. I'm thinking yes. of um, Ilan Omar, um, of course, Ilan AOC, and, yeah, and anyone uh, in the in the and the squad or whatever. It yeah, and <clears throat> I just you know. That person that jumped on the city council was like, oh, you need to have a violent thing happen to you for you to understand the issue of violence. It's like, whoa, dude, you're like on the record saying that. That means that you don't care that people know that that's what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Like you don't think like forget legal consequences. Your name, your full name and shit is on the record. You don't even care about like potential social consequences or people, people not like liking you you know what i'm saying like none their of that whole matters social circle yeah their whole social circle is folks like them right people who feel the same way right so why should they care right they, they only they only that's how the this mob mentality perpetuates and ferments right is that they 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 are in this echo chamber um you know of of, of ideas um of ideology uh and uh they're not really um 
they don't have friends outside that circle, so they're not risking losing anybody. They're just, you know, they're they're speaking to their friends, right? They're speaking to their peeps. And, um, and this is just, it's just, you know, it's awful. Sorry. We've, we've seen, we've seen like an uptick in this stuff, like in person too, at city council meetings, board of supervisors yeah. meetings. I mean, for a long time, the upfront hour of the Sunday show was just clip after clip after clip of people going to the school board and threatening Mrs. Pennington and or like, you know, some, yeah. like, some like, some like retired yeah. teacher who's like, oh, I'd still like to serve. Maybe I'll run for the school board. And then somebody goes up there and like screaming at her about fuck critical race theory and the Nuremberg trial <laughs> and shit. And I mean, it's, it, you, you laugh because what else are you going to do? Right. I, I obviously yeah. it's not funny. Right. It's, it's, it's only like, it's, it's how that, that's how we get here is that people see yeah. other people doing it. Yeah. It, it, I was just thinking that like, it, no matter how incompetent or, corrupt even frankly you know your city government or your school board or your county government is no one deserves that right like there's just no place for that there's just no place for death threats and violent threats of violence like wh- who are you right like th- there are so many other places to invest your energy and time um but it there's no place for that at all it's, it's really disgusting but it happens all the time yeah and you're right it's it's mostly women of color especially women who have to deal with it um because there is such misogyny and vitriol and hate out there in the community still to this day. Um, and it's going to persist until the end of time, frankly, like we're going to be dealing with people and issues like this until forever. Right. But, um, the more we can call it out, like we do here and we do what you do on the Sunday show very well, I think, um, the, the more I think we're going to shine a light on it and hopefully force these asshats into some sort of, you know, corner, of uh obscurity and irrelevance um to the point that uh what they say has no merit anymore and, and isn't listened to by anyone well up next somebody who's probably never going to deal with the intensity and style of threats that we just uh witnessed and we just heard about in the last story it's evil beto uh the new mayor of san jose matt mahan and he's going to talk about uh getting back to basics during his uh public inauguration as mayor whatever Maxie. getting back to basics means in the South and Maine, jobs and blow jobs. officially underway. Tonight marked the public inauguration for the city of San Jose's newly elected mayor, Matt Mahan. He has already had a busy first month in office. And as ABC7 News reporter Amanda Del Castillo reports, Mahan is now planning for what's to come. Cultural performances. A packed house and... Like, we need some things that are ethnic. Mayor of San Jose. Mayor Matt Mahan's inaugural address Wednesday focused on his push to get, quote, back to the basics. To prioritize a few things that impact everybody's life. Impact our collective quality of life. Impact our safety. Impact our economic competitiveness. Is that it's that critical that we move the needle on homelessness, blight, and crime from san jose blight? what the, the fuck is he talking where the fuck is the blight in san jose he keeps using this word like he's this, like he's like it's fucking detroit 15 years ago or something like there was blight in detroit buildings were falling apart like what is he ta- what does he mean when he says blight it's the gas station down the street that just needs a little bit of shine on it right like it, it's it's actually a word that um was uh sort of verboten for a long time in san jose like i remember using the word blight to describe like a corner in district in, in my council district in in, in Villa Glen, um that was you know a little run down um and someone just t- 
poor me a new asshole on Twitter. Um, like blight, blight. What are you talking about, blight? That's a racist term. You're just saying it's you know it's it's minorities and 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 people of color and and it's 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 small businesses and and you know God forbid that Willow Glenn you know have some of that in it, some character. They told me a new asshole, and they were right to do it. Yeah, I was going to ask: wrong. Did you go on Tucker Carlson and complain that you'd been canceled, or did you like? Yeah, listen, no, not, even at, all, though the not per- at all. Even though the person seems to have engaged in you with you in an angry way, did you maybe try to find like what they were getting at and no. figure out, like, try to figure out what they were saying and be like, "Oh, you know what? Let me think about that." Actually, yeah, a hundred percent. And 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 frankly, it was a friend, and I was called out, and I, they were right. They were right to call me out. So, but funny story. They were working for Mayor Licardo at the time, right? And now, you know, Mayor Licardo and his little baby here are calling out blight and being making it a huge point of their, you know, talking point of their of his campaign and his new administration. And I went back to the same person and said, like, hey, <laughs> you know, like, what do you have to say about that? And they were like, well, touche, you know, but they were right. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a trigger word. It's a freaking dog whistle. And yeah, we need to stop using it. But now it's becoming the lexicon. Now, like even progressive candidates are using it. Even even Cindy Chavez is talking about clean, safe city, right? Like eliminating blight. So, what are we going to do now? Like it's it's become part of the lexicon. And like anyway. not not for nothing that the city is clean. It is. It fucking is. It's like it's like we have the nice uh, what are they called? Uh, Art Nouveau or fucking uh, uh, you know p- public toilets, right? So like, there's no poop. I've never seen poop on the street in San Jose except for dog poop. I've never seen like you know I've never I've never really encountered any sort of what I would call blight, like buildings, like you said, buildings that are about to fucking collapse, right? Um, so I don't understand what this issue is other than everyone's just way too fucking sensitive and way too suburban and not really recognizing that we live in a fucking city and we're not even a city we're just a giant suburb with like a tiny downtown like there yeah we're mountain view mountain view and campbell are more like cities than san jose is yeah for sure we're trying to be trying i think that's hashtag, hashtag trying to be Inaugural action days meant to usher in a new era of Ooh, engagement. Over the next 10 weeks, they clean up in each of our 10 council districts, and we plan to get hundreds of residents out to directly play a role in cleaning up and beautifying their neighborhoods. For the unhoused, he's working to expand programs like Cash for Trash. We'll put these people in a truck. Unhoused residents hoping to provide them with opportunity, income, and dignity of work. Next, we'll get back to basics by addressing unmanaged encampments. He wants to scale up shelter capacity and transitional facilities, focusing on innovative approaches he says are faster and more cost-effective, pointing to what he hopes is an end to the era of encampments. Finally, we get back to basics by focusing on public safety. Where the city committed to increasing police staffing by 15 officers per year over the next five years, he's working to double that rate to 30 added officers a year to improve response times across America's 10th largest city. Today, our priority one response time is seven minutes. Priority two is 23 minutes, more than double our performance target. That is the unacceptable result of low staffing levels. But in the crowd of supporters, city leaders, supervisors, police and fire chiefs, some feel the mayor has missed the message on other issues like animal welfare. I actually actively work with the homeless community, um, helping them get spay and neuter services, food for their pets. 
Um, so it it ties together. You can't address the homeless. Fuck you, Mayor Beto. Also addressing their the dogs need help. Elsewhere. I'm a medical marijuana activist. And yeah. I'm trying to get taxes waived for people that use medical marijuana for their uh, pains and ailments because we shouldn't be paying tax on that. It's a prescription. As his two-year term gets underway, Mahan details his determination to bring solutions to San Jose. The solutions don't have to all be mine. In fact, they won't be. They'll come from across the ideological spectrum. They'll come from council members representing a very diverse range of neighborhoods and districts. Was that baton clean? In San Jose, I'm Amanda Castillo, ABC 7 News. I fucking shut the fuck up. Like, this is like, there's a whole, like, this city has, what are they, like, they're called City Works or whatever that goes around downtown and, like, picks up yeah. trash. There's a few different. There's the Downtown Streets team, which is a nonprofit that employs the, the literally another bugaboo of mine is people that come up with ideas on the campaign trail that are actually already that exist. Um, there's a nonprofit called Downtown Streets team that employs unhoused residents in beautifying the city, cleaning up, doing you know stuff that most of us probably wouldn't want to do um, in exchange for money, like salary, right, and then resources and connection to services. But these things happen. Groundworks is what you're talking about. That's a a, a company or a, a vendor that's employed by the Downtown Association, which is another nonprofit that supports the downtown. And they go around beautifying, cleaning up, sprucing up downtown and keeping it nice and clean. Like you'll see them any given day. You'll see folks out there spray washing and, you know, uh, beautifying downtown San Jose, making it clean for all of us to go down and, and, and spend our money and spend do our commerce and our, 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 uh, our entertaining. Right. Um, and yet, all we hear, right? You hear it all the time. I hear it all the time. Oh, I don't want to go to downtown San Jose. It's too dirty. There's just there's too many homeless. That's not why I don't want to go. I think it's not dirty enough, and there's not enough like not enough right? entertainment. Right? Like that's the thing. It's almost too clean. It's almost too quiet and clean. Like I want a little filth. I want a little grime in my city. That's it. I'm in a city, man. I remember bringing friends here when I was in uh, Le College University, right? Um, and they would, they, you know, they lived across the country. They didn't want to go home for Thanksgiving. So they came with me and we would come to San Jose. And these are people from like New York, from Queens, right? Or from, uh, you know, Chicago or Denver, you know, big cities. And they look at San Jose and they're like, what the fuck, man? This is like some sort of backwards fucking, you know, hillbilly Mayberry RFD, right? They say no city. And this was 20, 30 years ago before we actually had buildings that were taller than you know, 15 stories, right? Or the Adobe building, right? Um, now we actually have a downtown that kind of looks kind of looks like a downtown and we have things that kind of look like city, but still, it's, I, I feel I would be embarrassed still to bring friends here and be like, yeah, we're the 10th largest city in the country, wah, wah, wah. But it's a, you know, it, we're still a suburb. We're pretty much a suburb and we act like it too. So until we start acting like a city, we're not going to really be a city. So why are we worried about being the safest big city when we're not really, you know, all that... Uh, all that excited about being a city in the first place, right? The same people that are worried about safety and being the safe city are the people who would say we don't live in a city or don't want to live in a city. It's, Sorry, it's, it's such a such a weird thing too. When I lived in Campbell, I met so many people who came to Campbell from San Jose to go out. And it's like, there's yeah. like, there's like more to do in fucking three blocks of downtown Campbell kind of than there yeah. is in like the San Jose downtown area. Well, there is. It's just that it's not con- it's not really conducive to that. There's like pockets. There's things all over the place. It's just that it's not really walkable and and connected. And you just you walk to, you go down there and you don't really feel a sense of like you know yeah I'm just gonna go explore right. Um, 
it's just not what you do there. Whereas in Campbell, you just walk up and down the main drag in Mountain View, you walk up and down Castro, right? And right. now they've even closed down Castro, right? Parts of Castro. And San Jose's getting there. Like we closed down San Pedro. We're closing down Post Street, looks like. Um, and hopefully maybe one day we'll close down South First Post Street. Post Street shouldn't right? even fucking be there. That should just be a right. walkway. Yeah, right. It shouldn't even be a street, right? And eventually we'll get around to closing down South First Street. So we'll create, you know, you can create these neighborhoods. You can, you can encourage them. But there's also the organic nature of it too, right? It's the people that make them. And the more that we're, that housing costs and, you know, really poor planning are forcing people out who are that creative, youthful, energetic, unique, diverse, you know, subset of, of the community, the more you force them out, you don't have that organic, you know, community sense of community. You don't have those organic neighborhoods that just crop up, that just be, that just exist, right? Like, you know, everyone wants to be San Francisco or some, you know, the reason why San Francisco's neighborhoods and New York's neighborhoods are like they are in Chicago's neighborhoods is because over many, many years and decades and centuries even, they've developed a character from the people that live there, right? And the people that live there define it. And unfortunately, San Jose is becoming a land of tech bros like Matt Mahan, right? We're becoming a huge city of just Matt Mahans. And therefore, you know, we're not going to have any character. We're not going to have any real sense of community because we're just going to be a bunch of, you know, affluent, white, suburban dumb fucks, right? And, and we're never going to get to be the city that I think that some of us really wanted to be. Um, and it's unfortunate for my daughter and for everyone else. I just remember uh, a friend of mine had their 21st birthday. It was about five years ago, six years ago. And we all went out bar hopping and it was more like, it was more like bar journeying. <laughs> we had to go so far. You're like to get exhausted fucking, by the time you get to the second bar, right? <sighs> we had to go so far to get from fucking like the little, little gay district where um, like 55 South and max and splashes to get over Post, to like yeah. this sofa area. It's not far. It wasn't like we were like water or, you know, begging for water or dying, but like, <laughs> like there three was, blocks, like even just like, it was just like the only thing around the corner from there was the caravan. And we were like, well, there was nothing at the caravan we wanted to do. And so it's like, we had to walk all the way. We wanted to go to what was going on at a Pierre's place, uh, the, um, mm -hmm. back bar at the time. And it mm -hmm. was just like, it was like a 15 minute walk. And it's like, well, this isn't really bar hopping. Is it? So it's like, no, it's, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like, I feel like there's just so much wrong with downtown San Jose and like none of the restaurants are even open at past nine for God's sakes. If you want anything after nine, you're going to like, and there's nothing wrong with La Vix, but my God, how many times can you go to La Vix? Yeah. It's like really the only thing um, at some point. Right. Um, yeah. I'd be, well, maybe you and I can offline. We'll figure out a way to solve downtown. Nobody will like it. We'll so, have a whole show about it. Get your shit together. Downtown San Jose. So we're going to move on. We got two more stories here before we get out of here. We got right. uh, the Oakland police chief on leave uh, accuses the federal monitor of uh, faulty conclusions. We've been following this for a couple of weeks now. Yeah, it's the never ending saga. So the city says you've been you wrong. The chief says I ain't wrong. You wrong. So here we go. The Fox 2 News on KTVU Plus. Good evening, everyone. I'm Mike Meebeck. And I'm Christina Rendon. Oakland Police Chief Lauren Armstrong not staying quiet after being put on paid leave. He spoke out again today, this time from an East Oakland church. As KTVU crime reporter Henry Lee explains, the top cop says the independent monitor in charge of overseeing the department reforms used faulty logic to help push him to the sidelines. 
This is an injustice. Oh, this is not fair. Speaking Sunday from Axeful Gospel Church, Oakland Police Chief Laron Armstrong, who's on paid leave, says he was wrongly sidelined because of allegations, he says, that are flat out wrong. Confidential reporting, information provided by the monitor is embarrassing. It's inaccurate. It contradicts itself about the role that I played in this case. The chief is blaming this man, Independent Monitor Robert Warshaw, who's overseeing department reforms. The report blatantly misstates and mischaracterizes key statements during my recorded interview. The monitor does not discuss his work. Mayor Sheng Tao, who placed the chief on leave, has said it's not a punitive action. Sources say Sergeant Michael Chung is accused of covering up the fact that he hit a Mercedes with a department-issued Chevy Tahoe in a San Francisco parking garage. The crash... They mentioned the kinds of cars that that was. That was interesting. None of them were Teslas. <laughs> Sources say then Internal Affairs Captain Wilson Lau allegedly ordered a subordinate to downplay what Chung had done. But the chief says he was given an incomplete set of facts. In this case, that information was not brought to me, so I was not able to take the proper action. That same sergeant is also accused of later firing his gun inside a service elevator at Oakland Police Headquarters and then throwing the shell casing from the Bay Bridge. Whoa! The monitor yanked the probe of that case away from the department. Supporters say the chief needs to be reinstated. We don't want to see his career tarnished. Uh, he does not deserve the treatment that he is receiving in this particular case. It's just like a kindergarten teacher that goes on leave. And after they go on leave, a sick leave or whatever, the class just acts up until that teacher gets back. Oakland is acting up. What's troubling is a succession of police chiefs have come and gone, and yet it just seems like an impossible job. Chuck Wexler heads a police research organization. What will it take to be police chief there? It just seems like the bar keeps He's checking getting, his bathroom. Uh, pulled higher and higher. So the chief's on leave, the sergeant accused of the two incidents is on leave, and that former Oakland internal affairs captain, he's now with the East Bay Regional Park Police District, where he's also on leave. In Oakland, Henry Lee, KTVU, Fox 2 News. <laughs> yeah, I don't know Can't what's going on. escape on the park police, sorry. I don't know what's going on here, but that lady who said, well, when the police chief's away, people do more crime. It's like, shut the fuck up. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Like, you're like, oh, am I going to, am I going to knock over this liquor store? I don't know. Is the police chief's, to, the police chief's on leave? All right, we're going to knock over this liquor store. Like, nobody does that. Or maybe, maybe, maybe she was referring to the cops themselves. Who knows? Uh, when the mice, the, when the cat's away, the mice will play. Who knows? Well, that could be the case. Um, yeah. But we'll, we'll see who's, who's right and who comes out on top of this, this thing. I, I do think that the chief's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say the chief's not getting a raw deal in this, frankly. I mean, uh, I mean, Oakland PD has a lot of issues. Oakland itself has a lot of issues in public safety. So blaming it on any one person is kind of you know, silly to me. Um, they should get their shit together. Maybe that should be on get your shit together. Who knows? This um, whole, this whole we'll doc, see. it's been time to get your shit together. We got one more. We got, usually we do an animal interest story, but uh, I even looked when I saw the docket and there was no animal interest story. I didn't see any interesting animals. And so uh looks like uh, the city of Oakland strikes a historic deal to revitalize the Oakland Coliseum, which is weird because I thought they were building a new one. They were thinking about it, but I think that that might be falling through. Well, yeah, the dock workers had a good fucking point. They're like, yeah, I'm trying to work and there's all these drunk people fucking leaving the Oakland Coliseum while I'm trying to drive my truck to like deliver right. goods to people. Yeah, those people, the dock workers had a fucking point and I'm glad they're, they did. If they're abandoning they did. that, that particular, um, a particular proposal right there in the port of Oakland, essentially don't put your fucking stadium in one of the busiest ports. You get the fuck out of here. Let, let those go. I've seen season two of the wire. I know what's going on. 
Anyway, here's here's the local news report about uh, retrofitting the existing Coliseum, which I think is probably the right thing to do. Yes. Right now at 11, turning the page on the Raiders, the Warriors, and maybe even the A's. Oakland leaders lay out a new game plan for the Oakland Coliseum and the surrounding neighborhood. Good morning. Thanks for joining us for our midday newscast. I'm Marcus Washington. Nice sweater. A reminder, you can also watch us live on Roku. Oh, I like that lady's pants, too. I'm here Those with are hot. Journalist Abby Fernandez. Rainbow Shepard. Oakland leaders are really talking about a historic agreement that sure, could revitalize that entire area, even maybe even bring in a new sports team. Yeah. Hi, Laura. As oh, the Oakland A's look to leave, a lot of people are wondering what's going to happen to the Coliseum. Well, there's a big group full of big dreams for that area. And today they sealed the deal. Here's a live look at the Coliseum. The city of Oakland announced what they're calling a historic partnership with the African-American Sports and Entertainment Group. By the way, this is an Oakland-based group founded in 2020. Its main purpose is to use sports and entertainment to create a path for enhanced economic equity for the black community. Now, the partnership involves an exclusive negotiating agreement to develop the Coliseum complex. Here's a rendering of what it could look like. The group wants to transform the hundreds of acres of land surrounding the Coliseum site to become a center for sports, entertainment, and residential use. The group's other big dreams, Laura, include forming- That dance club is not gonna get a permit, too much fun. NFL franchise right here in Oakland, and the big talker bringing a WNBA team to the city. Talking about new public facilities. We're talking about more retail in an underserved area and an underserved part of Oakland. We're talking about hospitality and entertainment options. We're talking about more sports. And I see our young people here today, a football team. Give, give our young people a round of applause. We're talking about affordable housing. So <laughs> who have lived here in Oakland for generations that their families can continue to live here. Yeah, Mayor Tao also says, Laura, this project will create about 20 to 30,000 new jobs in Oakland. Which is huge. This yeah. is really a big deal for the city. And not just How much housing. development. Yeah, that's right, Laura. So many right. are calling this <clears throat> agreement historic as it's the largest development opportunity from an African-American-led group in Oakland's entire history. Wow, that's pretty huge. Yeah. All right, a lot to cover there. Thanks so much, Abby. Nice pants, Abby. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> I mean, this is fine, but it's it's... Like somebody in chat said, it just looks like it's like a posh development that they're trying to put there. Yeah, it, it could just it could gentrify the community just as much as anything else. Um, but like you said, I mean that's the space they have the space they have they're able to use that space. They don't have to invade the dog worker space or you know shoehorn some sort of development in somewhere where it's not necessary or not needed or not wanted. They have a space that's already used for this purpose. Like let's use it and ramp it up and use all those parking lots for you know housing and good shit shit that helps people um so we'll see but anyway right now it's pie in the sky still and the but the a's are looking like they're moving to vegas like the raiders so poor oakland is losing all their sports franchises but that's okay like they still have the people like i said people make the city so keep the people figure out a way to make this this space work for the people and you're gonna you're gonna have success great well that's been down ballot you want to read us out councilman 
Absolutely, Producer Dave. Thank you so much again for rocking the, the dials as always. Um, everyone out there, thanks for the chat, um, for being so lively and, and providing answers that we cannot possibly look up on our own during the show. Thank you to everyone uh, on Patreon and everywhere else who gives us show bucks to keep this network rolling. Please stay tuned for local love tonight, um, with local music with Producer Dave and special guests as always. And you know what we always say here, um, you got to get vaxxed. The bad, bad baby got vaxxed today. So get vaxxed, wear a mask, pants are optional, and we hope to see you next week, 7.30 p.m. live every Tuesday night. <laughs> To get the party started Pick up my phone just to check and see who's calling Dress up real nice for the ladies at the bar And I'm driving in my car just to get to where they are Here at the local scene is where I plant my feet It's where I smoke my cigarette and I hold my drink I look at all my friends, they're all blazing green Sit at the front of the stage waiting for MTV Where are those guys who's standing next to me With a pipe in his hand ready to blaze for me About five minutes later we're all singing We now get the fuck up on and rock the scene, yeah. We do what we want, and what we want is to jam. So sit back and enjoy the band. We do what we want, and what we want is to jam. So sit back and enjoy the band. Enjoy that band. I turn and head back to the bar for a refill, man. Cause you know where we are We're headed out to the car To smoke another one And another one Now just when the magic starts kicking in I hear we left playing And you know it's time to head in Alright everybody now it's time to grab a new drink Spark it if you got it And then pass it to me yeah. We do what we want And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band we want, what we want to do, and what we want is to jam, so sit back and enjoy the band, enjoy that band. Last up on the bill for the show tonight, it's down and dirty in five, so we're headed outside, to spark up another joint, now who's got my lighter, Stoner E, of course, shouldn't you be inside? I'm all up in this bitch, being who I gotta be, I'm fucked up like the US economy, the truth is, is that I don't Logically, stone to eat, take you on a psychedelic odyssey. Now, inside, motherfuckers is rocking me. And outside, shit, we smoke a lot of broccoli. Rocking the rolling, all the sexy girl be jocking me. Ain't too drunk to fuck, but I'll probably do it sloppily. We do what we want, what we want to do, and what we want is to jam. So sit back and enjoy the band. Dance with the band and enjoy the band. We do what we want. We want us to jam, so sit back and enjoy the band.
We got a brand new swag shop. It's powered by Fourth Wall and it's really great. It's at eplex.store. That's E P L E X.store. Hopefully, you find something there you like. I'm partial to the one with Jordan Peterson and Jesus.